may I be completely honest with you? We in pharma are terrible at telling our story. What are we doing wrong? I'm Jeff Stewart from Cineos Health Consulting. I'm joined today by two professionals who help pharma companies tell their stories. Janine O'Kane is president of Cineos Health PR, and John Reed is the executive creative director. Janine and John answer the question of how should life science companies tell their stories to patients, to employees, and to the world. Storytelling and pharma next on the Cineos Health Podcast. John Reed, Janine O'Kane, welcome to the Cineo South Podcast. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for including us. So we're talking about storytelling, which I have to admit, I don't think of pharma companies and storytelling as things that go together. And you work in Cineo South's PR shop, so the one that helps companies do PR. So I'm guessing it's those kind of stories, but I don't really know. Why storytelling and pharma? For me, in my career, I realized that nothing is more personal than your health. And so I think the work needs to reflect that. So in healthcare, when someone is dealing with something, whether it's an ailment or whatever, people don't want to be sold to by pharma companies. They want to hear from other people who are experiencing the same thing that they're going through. Jeff, I'm sure you've heard so many great stories and you know what happens when you connect and a story really resonates for you. Like you have all of these feelings and compassion and empathy and you're drawn to that story and it probably influences your behavior and your ideas about the topic or the story that was being told. And so in the simplest forms, that sort of experience that you're having, whether it's watching a movie or a play or being part of discussion, people are looking to replicate that because it's incredibly powerful in terms of what happens and the human reaction. So those same moments that you enjoy stories and you make that connection, it's just that being replicated in other ways. Does pharma even tell a story? When we think about the pharmaceutical industry, there are a couple of things that come to mind for me. First, there are the stories of brands making a difference in people's lives. I think there are very powerful moments when we've seen the industry effectively use patients to tell the story and really create an emotional connection and in the simplest of terms, get people in need of information, that information to make a difference. And they get to hear the experiences and relate and to probably make positive change. When you think about storytelling, there is this inherent need, I think, in all of us to want to connect and to learn. But I think COVID has changed things a little bit for the pharmaceutical industry, Jeff. So this idea and expectation for companies to talk more and to be more transparent and to be more open, they're filling a void that others aren't there for. Since COVID, there's been a lot more emphasis and desire to hear from the pharmaceutical companies. And there is a stronger distrust among some of the regulatory agencies. So companies are looking to fill that void. And it's those moments where the opportunity to have a larger discussion is open and available that's going to put more pressure on the need to become effective storytellers. So I think that storytelling can happen in definitely those moments where there is a patient who's telling this captivating story from patient to patient. But I also think there are stories to be told. And I think now is sort of an interesting time to think about how do you do that more effectively in light of all the changes that have gone on. We're seeing all sorts of avenues that people are going down, everything from using visual representations to do that and how data is impacting that as well. 
It's an interesting conundrum over the past decade. Healthcare, pharma in particular, is so heavily regulated. Everything we say is measured and everything goes into the world. But I think what's happened in the last decade is with the rise of social media and the pipe getting bigger and you know you have to feed the world with content, people are sharing their own stories. So we're lucky that the pharma and healthcare companies are now realizing, hey man, people are going to share their stories with or without us. So we better get in there and help make the stories great. It's a really exciting time to partner with brands that are really good at bringing stories to life that you probably wouldn't have been able to five or six years ago. They used to be taboo. There was a time when people would whisper the C word. And now the sad reality is everyone knows someone who has gone through, had some sort of cancer. So you bring those stories of people to life. And I think when they get that diagnosis, they can look and realize it's not death sentence, but actually take a little bit of hope from hearing from other people who are going through a similar thing. The stories used to be told by industry or the stories were told to people. And I think we've seen such a shift. Here we are living in this influencer era, this creator-driven storytelling, and it's giving more freedom to share. I don't know what you think about what you're seeing from a creative point of view around, around that with the entrance of influencers. And I know people are skeptical about them, but I think an interesting shift in what people are looking for and how they interact. Yeah, you said it. Big Pharma still has a bad reputation and I think people don't want to be sold to. So I think the rise of organic or peer-to-peer storytelling, I think is great. I mean, in addition to us being storytellers as marketers or as PR people, it's not just about, hey, I'm going to go shoot the story of whomever. It's about building communities and places for people to meet and share their stories organically. So it's a pretty amazing time to be doing what we're doing and enable these kind of things. Because it's amazing to me in this world we live in now that everyone says they're a storyteller. People are still telling bad stories. You turn on the evening news and you still see horrible pharma commercials with the joke of people walking on the beach holding hands and, oh, hey, people with cancer, you know, but they're smiling walking on the beach. I mean, that's incredibly inauthentic and that can actually damage a brand more than anything else. So it's a really interesting time where these two worlds are coming together. One of the greatest stories I ever heard from an innovator was a person who had invented a way to make humanized antibodies, which are used in a lot of drugs. You have to have humanized antibodies, otherwise you make immune response to the antibodies and you then clear them out and they don't work. So you have to have ones that look human in some way. And this person had invented a way to make them. And the way he described it and why he got into pharma and biotech in the first place was saying that he had seen something like the rheumatoid arthritis drugs where people were in their wheelchair. And then after the drugs, they were able to, and the monoclonal antibodies were able to step out of their wheelchair. And those that had particular issues with some forms of blindness could then nonetheless be saved from a monoclonal antibody and not have that. And he said, you know, the last time I saw the lame walking and the blind seeing was in the Gospel of Matthew. And that story has stuck with me for now 20 years. Does it drive you crazy that pharma is not telling stories like that? I think that the good clients are. I think the people that understand it are. I mean, there's pockets of it. It takes a little bit of convincing, though. You really have to do some selling. I think that a lot of clients are dubious for a lot of reasons, especially when you go down the spectrum of metastatic cancer drugs where people have, they're at the end of their life. People are afraid to put a real patient in there that may pass away and, oh, they passed away while on our medication. And I just think that you have to convince them of the power of that and how it can help the people that are getting diagnosed earlier. It's a funny world we live in now. Like I said earlier, it's like these two worlds coming together. But I think the good marketers get it because there's real power 
in telling the story of the people who are fighting this thing. You see the things on TV that make you cry. You know, you want to connect with an audience and make them feel something and feel like they're not alone. Do you think that it's the clients, and I don't mean your clients, but pharma companies, they're embarrassed of their own story and that's why they don't make good stories? No. For me, as a creative person, I'm 20 years into my career. In the first 10, I worked in the consumer world and I worked on Microsoft and Audi and Nike and things. In the last 10, I've worked in healthcare. And I just think that there's a difference in the mindset between the marketers of healthcare brands and the other brands. I think that there's this whole idea about correct versus creative. As a marketer, I want to connect with people and tell great stories and do work that touches people, makes them take action, think about my brand differently, talk to the doctor about a medication. It's just one of those things where you got to try a little bit harder. And I think they're afraid to be too honest because of the implications. But like I said, I think it's changing and there's real hope for the future. You know, In the last six or eight years, look, there's now can Health Lions, these award shows just for healthcare and storytelling, that's really up the game in the agency side. And I think that the clients have seen that, not that awards are the end-all be-all, but I think they see, oh my goodness, this is what good could look like in our industry rather than safe, correct versus creative. And I think there's a balance there. Are you currently working for, or do you mind talking about vaccines for COVID in particular? I'm not currently working on a COVID vaccine. I have clients who are developing COVID vaccines. But I think it's such an interesting topic because I've been fangirling out and following <laughs> Albert Borla's every move. And it's been interesting. There are some very powerful moments in the storytelling that he has done where he's talked about the price of the vaccine should be the equivalent of a dinner in whatever country that is. So I think there were some incredibly powerful storytelling moments in all of that. And it's been really interesting to watch because it feels like watching scientific discovery and the promise of that science is then colliding with a whole host of other beliefs and ideals. What would you do with it? I mean, what story would you tell if you were telling the story of COVID-19 vaccines? The baseline story that people have been trying to do, which is interesting and which seems like the natural place, is the public health story, right? Of the impact that you can have and how your impact has a greater good. And I think that's a universal sentiment that's been out there. I wondered as a communicator, as I watched it, if they were missing on the next step to see if there was a way to make it almost more personable. I think people relate probably to their smaller subset of people. And as I watched it, I agreed with this public health story of the impact that you can have on others. But I wondered if making some of that more personal. So if people maybe weren't willing to get vaccinated for themselves, if you made the very personal connection about their group or their family, could that have potentially elicited different action or more action? I think sometimes the public health story can maybe feel a little bit abstract for people to track. John, if COVID-19 vaccines were your client, just in general, COVID-19 has hired you to sell the story of COVID-19 vaccines. What do you sell? What's the story? Well, I think I lead with a little bit of honesty and authenticity about why you're doing it. I think the funny thing is I look at the masks. People, oh, the mask will protect me from COVID. And when they found out, no, it was the other way around, then there was a big uproar against masks. I think 
people need to realize that as a society, not just the US, but globally, we're in this together and you need to get vaccinated, not just for yourself, but everyone else to get this herd immunity thing. It's not an I, it's a we. And I think you tell these stories, Janine just touched on it, but it isn't about, hey, you need to get vaccinated for you. It's think about your parents, think about the people in your office, think about the people in your town, think about the people in your state, you know, that kind of thing. So sincerity wins the day. I don't know if you've seen it, but on YouTube, there's this really great video at the beginning of the pandemic. I think within the first six months, you know, marketing stopped, the world kind of stopped. And all of a sudden, about a month or so into the pandemic, these commercials start popping up like FedEx and car commercials and all that. And they were all the same. They all started off with a soft piano music, you know, and then they all said, you know, in a world in these unprecedented times and we're all in this together. I mean, there's a YouTube video out there where someone has cut together hundreds of commercials and put them back to back. I think it's called every COVID commercial is the same. And it just, you know, <laughs> when you watch that, you laugh, but then it's sad because you realize everybody rushed to say the same thing. So it doesn't feel genuine or honest. It just feels like they checked a box of, oh my goodness, this thing happened. Now we all have to make a commercial about it, whether we're FedEx, Audi, or Kellogg's. The interesting thing is millions and millions of people impacted and it can be very easy for somebody to lose the connection. So you're dealing with this really powerful moment when folks like John can take these conditions impacting so many and then kind of craft a story. So through that, you're able to feel like you're talking to that individual and you're able to make this really intense personal connection because it's that connection that's going to create the change and it's going to be that personal connection that fires people's brain up and makes them share the message in the case of a COVID vaccine, share the message with people they care about to take action. So I think that's an art, Jeff, to figure out how do you in this mass issue impacting so many when you can feel disconnected? How do you make a very personal connection on an individual level? I think that's like a really interesting question. As storytellers, do you think the story of COVID is just too big and you need to make it personal? Yes. It is big. Yeah. It's hard. You know, you watch the news and you see the ticker and the numbers are it's hard to even look at those and understand it. So yes, it needs to be personal. I mean, I think, you know, here in New York City, I think we've done a good job of personalizing it, talking about specific communities and having people come on and tell their stories. But yeah, it's hard when you look at in the abstract to just fathom those numbers and how it's impacting everybody. So you got to kind of start local to act global. I thought it was a really pointed and good question when you asked earlier about our pharma companies telling good stories. So I think when you ask that question, we automatically go to the idea of, are they telling stories to patients? I wouldn't want to exclude telling stories to their own employees. In the middle of COVID, there was huge social unrest this year. When we think about the stories that companies need to tell to their employees as a whole nother audience, and I think there's an expectation from employees for people to engage and have a story and a point of view about issues that maybe they wouldn't have. In the past, so I would say there's stories happening in a lot of different ways and to a lot of different audiences. I just wanted to mention that because I think it's very simple to think of a patient talking to another patient, but I think employees expect the company to tell a story, especially about their point of view on issues of social impact and social justice. To follow up on that, what story are we trying to counter? I guess the implication there is that there isn't a story that's being told. 
you couldn't have said it better. I don't necessarily think they're trying to counter a story. I think they're trying to tell a story. And I think the world has changed dramatically. And this idea of watching and waiting is almost like having a point of view. And I think at any company, pharma companies included, employees expect people to have a point of view. And those point of views, Jeff, have been about very difficult social issues that maybe the company hasn't ever had to articulate before. And I think those tenants that John and I have been riffing on during our conversation, those hold true there too, about making a meaningful connection, talking in an authentic point of view, being incredibly transparent about what's being said. Those rules for companies talking to their employees on social impact issues are very much in line with the same things we would encourage a client who was looking to use a patient to talk to other patients. I just think it has a bit of unchartered territory until now. I think you said it, Janine, the word transparency really sticks out to me too. I say authentic and honest stories, but transparency is really important too. I mean, it's not like Coca-Cola is going to give out their formula, right? But I think there is a little bit of magic and humility in letting people see behind your curtain. There can be powerful storytelling in the stories behind your study. You know, at Cineos, not only do we do advertising and PR, all the whole marketing side, we also do a lot of clinical trials. For a lot of people, that's this black box. It spits out the data and the drug gets approved and then you're off to the races. But if you let people see behind that curtain, there's real power there too, because there are scientists who are up late every night trying to crack the code and cancer. There are patients who are so desperate to find a new treatment because what they're on doesn't work that they raise their hand to be in the clinical trial. There's clinicians, there's all this stuff. So a little bit of transparency goes a long, long way with people. You know what it occurs to me is that pharma companies maybe are a little bit embarrassed about their story. Just the narrative is that we kind of talked about at the beginning. Drugs are expensive because it costs a lot, which is a terrible story, by the way. I mean, it just is awful. <laughs> but the the true stories that I think keep those of us that are in the healthcare business, we're in the business of healthcare because we love healthcare. We work with scientists who are very, very smart. They work so hard to be able to get products to market into patients. And if you think about how risky those things are, where you think all the work that you talk about, all the NIH grants, all the many, many years of work that people do to get it just into a patient, something like 9% of those, one out of 10, a little bit less, actually make it through clinical trials, actually get approved. It is just the most incredibly crazy, risky business of just miracles that have to happen for everything to align. And that's the business we're in. That's the business that we love. That's the business of getting people better. And it's just a shame, it seems like, that we're not telling that story, not telling the stories that actually matter. That's true. I think that to people that are on the other side of the wall that can't see through it, I think they think big pharma thinks it's profits over people and they see the big price. I don't think they understand all the R&D that has to go in and the years and years of effort and trial and error and failure after failure after failure to get to where it is. you know. And then something goes generic and the price just drops. And so I think some people, I've had this conversation with friends that aren't in healthcare and they go, well, why is this drug price 100 times more expensive than this other one? And they don't understand the way the patents work and the model molecules work and all of that kind of stuff. I mean, it's a pretty complicated thing to wrap your head around if you're not on the other side of it. So we talk about pharma and the fact that they're not telling a good story. I think they're embarrassed of the story they have. Many people just, they don't really fully at this point embrace their story. So they're trying to look for a story that will be less offensive. And if it's the less offensive story is not a good story. It's just not. (laughs) 
I also think there's a little bit of this high science, don't make eye contact kind of thing, or like, hey, we're the nerds. It's just not the case. We are solving the world's problems. But I think advertising and marketing in particular, PR, it's one of those things where people go, oh, I want to make commercials for Nike. Oh, you work in healthcare. And it makes no sense to me. And I think that bleeds over a bit into the marketing of drugs too, where it's so high science. I just think they need to embrace it. It is cool. We are literally curing cancer. and Those stories need to be told. And then as you kind of mentioned, Janine, going on to the employees and the story we tell to our employees, we haven't really even figured out, it seems, the story we tell to the market about patients. Is that patient story, if we get that right, is that the story we also tell to employees? I think that's definitely the first step. I think that patient story is easier, and that's been done for a long time. We have a patient who's been impacted, has seen a positive turn, and they want to articulate that story and share it with others. I think that seems easy, and it's accepted and expected. I think companies, and not just pharmaceutical companies this year, really struggled with what were their stories around a lot of, I mentioned it earlier, around a lot of those social impact issues. I think that was an uncomfortable place for people to be. And companies in the past probably hadn't engaged to the extent on some of those really sensitive issues. And I think the newness of telling that story is a scary place. And the implications of saying the wrong thing, and at the same time, I think the pressure to engage, that's a lot for a company or a client to enter into. That's sort of taking on the issue. And then I think they're sort of feeling that tug. And then I think they're also feeling a tug from an employee base who is expecting more from their employer's than ever before around social impact and justice and really demanding to know what that story is. So you've got that classic push-pull of potentially somebody who's new to articulating some of those stories, unsure of where the footing is, and at the same time, a really vocal and engaged employee base who has a certain level of expectations. And that inevitably leads to the rub. But I think if you're able to articulate the story as it relates to the brand, talking to other patients, that's telling the inherent value of the product. And I think that value story is important for the employees. Also, I think what we saw this year is the storytelling that was expected almost went to the next level and maybe uncharted territory than we'd seen previously. And you said it, Janine, I think it's the first story, the first time they have to deal, it's hard because they're like, how do we react to this? I think about Pride, for example, I think was it the 90s, maybe the early 2000s, the Gap really embraced this, hey, you know, we're all about Pride. And I think all the other brands had to go, oh my God, what do we do about this? And now luckily June is Pride Month and it's out there. But in the last year, the Black Lives Matter movement happens. And I think everyone's trying to react to these things that are happening. And how is this one going to go? And I just think it's scary for a lot of companies to react in real time to these things that are happening on their doorstep. What's it like to receive that phone call? You, John, your executive creative director, you, Janine, our president of PR, you have received the phone call. I know you have in the middle of the night where it's an emergency. Just yes. bring me <laughs> to the room. What is that like? It's I would say this year it's been such an interesting discussion and those moments have happened repeatedly and take away the issue. There is this very personal connection when somebody says, we simply don't know what to do. And inherently our job is to help people figure it out. And I have 
admired people's vulnerability to say, I'm putting my hands up. I need help. I'm not sure. I haven't been here before. And I said to the teams and my colleagues that our approach was always going to be never a judgment of what had happened, but really helping people chart a path. And we had clients with different levels of experience. So I want to understand where you've been in the past, where you want to go. And at times it's hard to be anchored in this. Your course is your course based on where you want to go and what your comfort is. And let's put the smartest strategy in place to help get you there. It is a personal decision and not everyone's story is going to be right for everybody else. And it has to be authentic to who you are. But I think this year in particular, I mean, I always say the great thing about PR is we're sort of using our powers for good, but there have been some really incredibly powerful moments where there was some real vulnerability and people said, you know, I've been on the sidelines and I I want to engage, but I'm just not sure how or I'm not sure how to get started. And there is, I think, this powerful education moment where you can say, okay, let's plot out what engagement looks like for you and let's help you take that first step. I think it was really powerful year in that sense. Yeah. And it isn't like in years past, I mean, the world has changed where I think previously something like this happens, so you go into a war room, hey, here's our response, and you kind of kick out a press release. I don't think it's that anymore. You know, we try to create these mechanisms that enable conversation. And it's not a one-way conversation. It's here's what we're saying externally, and here's how we're going to engage the world about our POV towards this. But also, Janine mentioned earlier, it's just as important to turn inward and look at your employees and go, hey, this is what's happening in the world, and here's our POV, and get a conversation starting, not just have a megaphone and broadcast our opinion about it. Well, there's a lot we could still talk about, but I think that's probably a good place to close. Janine O'Kane, John Reed, thank you so much for joining me on the Cineo South podcast. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. That's all for today's episode of the Cineos Health podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Stewart from Cineos Health Consulting. If you want to talk through a hard decision you're making at your life sciences company, you may email me at podcast at cineoshealth.com. For access to more future-focused, actionable life sciences insights, visit the Cineos Health Insights Hub at insightshub.health. Cineos Health, shortening the distance from lab to life.